It's the beginning of June. You wake up and open your Instagram app. You might notice a substantial amount of black squares with the hashtag Blackout Tuesday on your feed. Or perhaps the short clips of numerous demonstrations happening simultaneously in major cities. For Malik Reed, he is viewing a demonstration through a friend's profile. I was the friend that was like, everyone better send me their location. I need to know where you are. If you're going out, let me know. I need to make sure that you're safe. So I wake up one day, I go on Instagram, and I go to my, I go to my best friend's Instagram, and she's at a protest. And the last video that you see is like the police like walking, and they're like pushing the protesters back. And I just see someone put something on their shoulder and shoot something out, and this like firework thing goes spiraling. And I hear her scream, and her phone like shut off. And it's literally the first thing I see when I wake up. So I literally roll out of my bed and I call our 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 other best friend. It's a group is we're we're a trio. And I and I go and I go, did you see her video? And she goes, No. So our other friend goes and looks at the Instagram video and she starts getting frantic and we're calling, calling, calling. She starts crying. Amid this emotional exchange, they are able to get back in touch with her. And then Eventually, our best friend calls in on a group time call, on um, on a FaceTime call, and she's just like running down the street, and she, and she gets into her house, and she just sits on her bed and takes her wig off and goes, child, this is something else. And we just start laughing and crying and talking. In fact, the relief he finds in the following conversation inspires him to acknowledge a truth not often represented in the fight for liberation. And I just remember looking at that and I just remember going, this is what our truth looks like right now. And if people could see that this is the the, the people that the protesters that everyone are are judging and have so many things to, to say um, concerning them, this is what they look like. You know, like these are my friends, my family, my, my, my people, and we are people. And I feel like a lot of times within this fight, people are trying to um, take away the humanity of these people. So optimism is about just making sure like people know that we're people and making sure black people know like, I see you. I see you, sis. I see you, brother. I see you, sibling. I see you. Like, and we gonna get through this. As mentioned, the project is called Optimism. That feels like the perfect title for the situation it is hoping to explore. So Optimism is a virtual web series, right? So it's filmed over webcam, Instagram, Twitter, a little bit of everything using all of those mediums. And basically Optimism is my way of physicalizing my fight for Black joy. I think that a lot of people enjoy the byproduct of back, of Black joy, enjoy period. You know, everyone wants us to come to work smiling. Everyone wants us to show up. But a lot of times people don't actually invest within the process of um, incubating Black joy and creating spaces for Black joy to be held safely. It explores a friend group of five beautiful people. I just got so happy saying that because today is our is our first table read. We just had auditions last week, but we we explored through this friend group like what their fight for friendship and love looks like in the midst of everything, in the midst of this global pandemic that is affecting the black community. I think at like five times the rate of our white counterparts. It might even be more. And um and with the Black Lives Matter movement that is that is currently at a, um, that is just current, everyone can see it. It's not that things are happening that are different from, from before, and now everyone is just addressing that it's happening. So um, just what does it look like 
when we hop off of social media and we get in our one-on-one conversations. All the while, the conversation of investing into Black joy feels incomplete without centering the folks these demonstrations are seeking justice for, and the need for being intentional of what we support. I think that now we're getting to a point where we're seeing activism, we're starting to see how it falls into our everyday life. You know, it's in, 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 and we're still fighting for these bigger causes. You know, it's a shame that we still have not gotten justice for Breonna Taylor. So instead of them wanting to arrest our killers, they make a Breonna Taylor law. You know, it's, and it's still more information that is coming out about that. And that fight is still um, going. But now we start to see how can activism exist within our day-to-day lives? You know, there's a lot of conversation going on now. Megan Thee Stallion was recently shot in both of her feet. And um, it's just a thing of like, what is our call to action when a Black woman is attacked? A lot of people made memes and made jokes out of it. A lot of people did. And, 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 this, is, and this is the same artist who lost her grandmother and mother both in the same month around this time last year. But everyone likes to run around yelling Megan Thee Stallion lyrics and having Megan Thee Stallion dance, like dances and stuff. Everyone wants to run around and copy this artist and be inspired by this artist. But it's like, at the end of the day, this is a black woman. And what is the call to action that happens when she is attacked? What is the call of action that happens when her life is not something that is cherished? That is the activism that we start to see because we see that people don't hold that that life sacred. Because when she was shot, people made memes and made jokes. And then it's also something that exists within... Um, with how she is even marginalized within our community as Black people and how much us Black men have to do better um, in terms of sexism and all of these different things. But I think that we're starting to see, we've been seeing that as, as Black people, but now as a culture, we are having to pay more attention to um, to what we support in the, um, even the microaggressions that we, so, that we support in our day-to-day lives. For one, I think the thing that is so revolutionary about optimism is that we're not making trauma this the main course and liberation the dessert. It's so many times where I see art and I go, you took me through all of that just to give me this little bit of freedom at the end. And I and I it's just so many times where where I just go, why why is it that so much of the art that we absorb that people produce it puts so much pain at the centerfold. So you see a lot um, through these characters and their and their practices. They're a, they're an interesting bunch. They're inter- they're a very interesting bunch, and I'm excited for people to get to see. But um, they show you many different faces of what healing looks like in Black bodies, and what healing just looks like overall. Because at the end of the day, we all need healing. We see the main characters, we see how they lean lean on each other, but also how they find their own footing. And we see how they use art, how they use expression as a sense of healing. And um, also one of, the, one of my favorite things about it is that um, in this series, just about everything you see, all items that they wear and different things, I'm raising money to make it happen, is coming, they're being ordered from Black-owned businesses. So right now I have like a pile of stuff in the corner of my room just with all types of t-shirts, mugs, um, pillows, blankets, posters. Um, it's going to be makeup. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find everything possible that I could use to show how like building um, Black economic empowerment is a form of self-care because it's the gift that keeps on giving.
One of my favorite things about Optimism is that every episode we um we have commercial breaks because it's going to be aired live over YouTube. And then uh, we'll probably put them up every week so that people can also go back to stream and watch. But there are commercial breaks, which are I'm giving away free one um, one minute slots for black owned businesses to create their own commercials or advertisement or whatever and send in videos so that people can be able to um, can, can, can put more of a face to a brand. And so that not only are you seeing this commercial, but some of the people that are sitting in commercials and that I'm speaking with are people that I've bought things from for the series. So you're getting to see in the show how it's so much more than just an item. It's, it's um, an embrace happening with within the culture. Like one of the shirts that I have, do I even have it right over here? It's like, it's it's somewhere in my room. I've, we We pay a lot of homage to like, my inspirations for the show have been like um, Girlfriends, Noah's Ark, Living Single, Martin, like all of these great black sitcoms and, and, and television shows. So even one of the shirts that you're going to see has the four women from Girlfriends and it has Megan Thee Stallion's thing like um, classy, bougie, ratchet, like all like all like like all of that. And you just get to see like what it is when you um like when you feel good with what you wear, when you feel good about when you invest your um your money. So I'm excited to give people the opportunity to be able to see that and to absorb that and to be a part of that creation part like process. And we're raising money for it too. So people have an opportunity to to invest within it. So for anyone who does not encompass the realm of blackness, it's a movement. But if you're black, it's a lifestyle. You know, it's um it's within how we are raised. It is within the culture of how so many young black boys were taught to to walk with their heads down due to Emma Till. And then, um, you know, that woman came out, what is it, a year or two ago and publicly said that she lied. <laughs> and, and and so it's, it's, it's just a thing within how we've seen how that has shifted within culture. But um, I hope that what people get from optimism is that everyone um, plays a part. It's like a musical. You know, some people are in the chorus and some people are the leads. And sometimes when your lead lead is out, you have an understudy, you have a swing. So we all have a part to play. And um, I most definitely think that it's important for us to be observant of how we hold space for um, for people and how we show up within our daily lives. You know, I think a lot of people took Blackout Tuesday and ran with it. We saw a lot of black squares. And if, and if only we saw as much um, outreach and... You know, only if as many people did the actual work that posted Black Squares, things might look might look a little bit more differently. Optimism is just my it's just my my um me playing my part because I still feel the weight of what happens in the world and the people that I love are at risk and and, and are out there and are out there putting their lives at risk to be able to um, implement changes. So it's most definitely a way for black people and black bodies to be able to come and be re-energized but it also gives other people a way to be able to see us as humans and um see us as people which a lot of times does not happen and to be able to see what is on the other side of the people that you see at the front of these protests yelling what is the um to be able to to to, to humanize them even more in a time 
where many businesses and studios have lacked investing in Black-owned businesses even before the current pandemic. Optimism is bringing attention to the accountable potential of supporting and representing the Black community via social media and the internet. Though both are often critiqued for facilitating performative actions that often don't find its way offline, both have been useful towards identifying and calling out racially violent behaviors and individuals. It's a lot of unpacking because at the end of the day, um, anti-Blackness has been culturally acceptable for so long. (sighs) For so long. That if every single person that was fired that has ever said something racist and done A, B, and C, you know, we're we're looking at half of corporate America being fired, essentially. It's, 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 it's such of a big shift. It's such of a big shift. I think that we're seeing people pay um, for their actions in a way. And, and, um, and I just think that over time, that gap is going to get bridged more and more and more. I don't, I, me personally, I am, um, I am a student of, you know, Malcolm X, Asada Shakur, Angela Davis, Bell Hooks, you know, these, these phenomenal, Beyonce, <laughs> these, <laughs> these phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal Black artists. And a lot of times the people that I choose to be centered on are people that have already spoken about these things and their art has, um, has, has been geared towards these situations. So me personally, a lot of times I take the energy that I would use to focus on that and I create safe spaces for Black bodies to be hell. I mean, I think that we're at a place in time where we are finding out um, what those things are. Like, like, um, like, how do we go about reprimands when someone operates out, outside of the um, the realm of reform that we're currently moving into? I think that that's something that is currently being established and that people are um, diving into more and more. I stand Black Twitter, you know, like... Black Twitter, they know how to find where someone works, lives, who they're married to. I almost feel like Black Twitter knows how to find someone's social security number if they need to. Can't lie. And just the amount of people that have been like, oh, we found where he works, da-da-da-da-da, and have emailed bosses and different things and so many of the stories that I've heard. I'm just like, this is amazing. And not only amazing that you can do this, but you use your energy to do this. Like, this is the work. This is the work. They should be getting paid to do it, to be honest. And I think that we're just we're just finding out what that is. Like even within Megan Thee Stallion, that's a big thing that happened. Where um, one of the ambassadors for Rihanna's Fenty Beauty line had made a joke and got dropped as an ambassador. And um, you know, Megan, um, Rihanna and Fenty Beauty had sent Megan Thee Stallion over like a like a get well letter and different things. But it just takes a lot of work because it's a lot of work to go through your camp and make sure everyone is on their P's and Q's. But it's work that needs to happen. And um, I hope that that people are creating the lanes that are needed so that that can happen more often, so that people don't feel like they can get away with things. Because, I mean, that's the reason why all of this happens is because of the white privilege a lot of times that exists. Not a lot of times, the white privilege that exists. While optimism holds intentions of cultivating Black joy and amplifying the humanity that is found in care among friends, Malik's recently created production company, 
Sun Moon Flower Boy hopes to explore the humanity within divinity through a podcast called King Radio. So basically, King Radio podcast is, I always say, I'm like, it's a podcast that explores the intersections of humanity and divinity. Like, I'm an extremely um, spiritual person. I'm a Christian, but I wasn't raised in a church. I'm not a conventional Christian. You know, I'll go to church and then, you know, leave church. In, well, probably be in church rapping my Nicki Minaj verses or whatever. Like, like I just, be, like, I believe in being fully authentic within where I stand within my spirituality. So King Radio Podcast is just my opportunity to be authentic and transparent and give people the tools of how I navigate through life and offer them up as possible tools uh, for someone else to be able to use. Instead of centering the aesthetics of divinity, Malik is hoping to find ways of practice that are universally accessible. I feel like within the practice of self-care, it's something it's something about taking it where like, um, for me, it's this image of how it looks on Instagram. You know, it's certain people where it's like you see them using skincare products, but you never see the breakout. And I'm just like, you know, you may be blessed in that sense, but that's not me. And like, that's, that's not what my truth is and um it's just very much like finding out like how how can i bring this divinity down to earth and make it practical because me and god we speak a little bit differently like for um for one thing i address god as this omnipresent being that is so much bigger than what we can fully grasp so i'm very much like god is my father my mother my sister my best friend god is whatever i need god to be. So I like to use that actively to break the mold of God is this masculine force because I know that um I I, I know that God is the force that's like, baby, what you need me to be? What you need me to be? Like I'm like like that's just because at times it's just too much of a conversation that stands in the way. Like I've literally been to churches where it's like an entire sermon on how God is a man. And I'm like, do you really think that that's what God wanted you to talk about to- today? Everything we could have been talking about and you want to throw it in our face like God has to be a man. And like it's no shade and no disrespect towards that. I just think that it pushes it further away from this, um, from the gener... Jesus, I say this like I'm not young. I just said like the generation that's coming up, but I guess when I look at my nieces and my little cousins and stuff and my family members and just children, the children that I work with, I do assess that religion and spirituality looks differently. And at times it can be a little bit more of an aesthetic nowadays. And I'm all one for, you know, I got my crystals my stones, I'm all for taking care of my plants, but it's something about prayer, that it's a physical practice, you know, meditation, that it's a physical practice, a mindset, something that can be implemented daily. That's not just about um, taking pictures and putting it up. So I really just share that because at times, you know, it might be videos, who knows, I might have archived them, they might be up, they might've been at the live events. It's sometimes where I'll be like, God, child, child, I love you. I love you and you know me, you know me. Like, it's just... It's just something like I really do look at God as my best friend. So I can talk to God how I talk to my best friend on the phone. And God knows my authentic self. I don't got a friend. Upon losing my uncle to the coronavirus, I got really, really busy with family work. And I it was a lot because I never expected at you know, 23 to be holding 
my little cousin, who was his daughter at her father's funeral, and to um, to help be a part of the people that planned his funeral and, and 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 spoke at his funeral. But it but it taught me a lot about life, and I and I um I took that time to sit down and really spend a lot of time with my family, and uh, especially a lot of the babies in my family. And it's sort of like, in a way, taking a break from it. It made it so that when I stepped back into my practice, I wanted it to be. I wanted to dive back into it in a way. I think, um, and I don't, I don't suggest that for anyone. You know, I'm not saying like go through traumatic experiences and throw all your self care out the window. But for me, it was, um, it was my form of survival because um, my 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 family needed me, and there was no way that I was not going to be there for my family. So certain things have to be compromised in that sense, but. Um, now getting back into self-care and, and, and discovering what it presently looks like for me is a beautiful process. And I think I'm able to be a little bit even more um, more truthful within my practice um, because some of these past few weeks, has, they have been very difficult, but I've discovered some um, new techniques that I'm excited to be able to instill within the work that I do. producer for this episode was me, Jack Martin. Thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for providing the music for this episode. Lastly, thanks to Malik Reed for taking the time to be interviewed. You can follow both of his projects on Instagram at sunmoonflowerboy with an I dot prod.